Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, you've called the Mojo Radio Show. We can't come to the phone right now because we're about to start the show. But please, wait for the tone and the boys will be with you shortly. Uh, hey guys, it's AP here. I thought I was doing the uh, show intro. Jeez, talk about stealing someone's mojo. Hey everybody and welcome to this week's edition of the Mojo Radio Show. <laughs> I think it's fair to say we've lost our voiceover guy, Matt. No, he's not happy. He wasn't happy yesterday when he left that message. <laughs> uh, he'll be fine, mate. Once he sobers up, he'll come good. Yeah, a bottle of red. He'll be right. <laughs> bottle of red. Yeah, everyone's good enough. Bottle of red. Anyway, folks, welcome to the show. We have got another cracking show lined mm. up um, this week and I'm very, very excited to have our um, a special guest because I, I get to say, Robbo, I hold this lady in very high esteem because mm. I reckon any Aussie that can go to Los Angeles with a dream, mm. particularly somebody who, go, who wants to go across there and do comedy mm. and be a regular on Sunset Boulevard at the Comedy Store. Um, man, I cover full props, right? Absolutely. And and the interesting thing is that um, a lot of our Australian listeners will definitely have heard her voice on more than one occasion. Mm. They'll be very familiar so, with her. Yeah, so down the line from um, Los Angeles, in just a second, we're going to have Ella James. But before, just before we start that, mm. uh, we're going to go down the street from Sunset Boulevard. So you go down the end. Yep, around the corner. Hang a little left. When yep. you get down the tier section, turn right. Right. Uh, and you'll find yourself in Hollywood. Is that a tenuous leak? Hooray for Hollywood. Hooray <laughs> for Hollywood. <laughs> oh, Jesus, I couldn't sing. No, well, the, the reason that I brought it up mm. is um, this clip um, I found, mm. uh, in fact, I saw it on the Academy Awards. It was a clip that played from a movie called Whiplash and it was nominated for an Academy Award for Film of the Year. And when I heard it, it really resonated with me because I think language and what we say to ourselves and say to others really can create ceilings or propel us forward because the language we use then becomes our beliefs and our beliefs become behaviours, behaviours become our actions. But I also thought that it had a lot of great value in it for the boys um, in the Cherrybrook under-12 rugby team. So right. just um, play this clip here and then I'll talk to you about it. There are no two words in the English language more harmful than good job. What do you think? Yeah, nice. Yeah, I was just thinking because typically, you know, it is that whole thing about good job, mate, good job. Hmm. But good just gets in the way of being great. And if we go back to the stuff we talked about with Carolyn Adams Miller on an earlier program of the Mojo Radio Show, mm. 
we talked about, you know, the levels we set and the expectations we have for ourselves and for others around us. And I think that we should be endeavouring to not have a good year, but having an outstanding year, not doing a good presentation, doing a great presentation. And um, I thought it was appropriate with the kids because particularly, you know, how we coach people and stuff and we go, hey, good job, mate. Mm. Well, I think as also as a coach, it's a bit of a fallback. You know, they, they go through, if you're doing a, a drill, a tackle drill or whatever, and, you know, little Johnny makes his tackle and stands up, yep, good, mate, next. You know, if there's nothing that's that's screaming out wrong with his technique, you, you just tell him it's good and away you go. But, mm. but um, yeah, if someone makes a, a great tackle but not spectacularly great, we still go, yeah, mate, good tackle. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's, um, it's funny how we just fall into a groove of that becomes a standard answer too. You know, well, it becomes a throwaway. Yeah, that's what I was trying and to I say. And I think that we then, in our own minds, and in the, in, in the people who are around us, when you are always talking about good, the mm. brain doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's imaginary, mm. and then brain imagines that good is good enough. And I remember Sharon Stone, you know, the the actress, she once said that um, all her life, her dad taught her that good gets in the way of great. And uh, so I liked that clip, and I thought. It was good for the boys. I thought it was good for us, good for our listeners just to hear that clip. The movie's fantastic, apparently. Well, um, I've got training tonight, so I'll run it up the flagpole, see if it flies. Yeah, see how you go with it. Mm. And, uh, report back um, <laughs> next week. Indeed. And uh, I thought the other thing that was good about it is, particularly for parents, it makes you consider your words. Yes. And rather than just have throwaway language because we don't put some effort into it. It's one of the things... Mm the late Maya Angelou, who was the first uh, black American to speak at a president's inauguration. Mm. And she was an author, a poet, and ended up being a podcast host at the end of her time um, on earth. Wonderful, wonderfully, beautifully admired lady. And the thing about Maya Angelou was that she chose every single word carefully and she never wanted to waste a word. And mm. she just... And I think that uh, also plays back to that clip about um, good jobs. So there you Definitely. go. That's all. Absolutely. No more throwaway lines. The Mojo Radio Show. So on with the show. And Ella James is an Australian who moved to Los Angeles with a dream, is now doing really, really well in the comedy scene in Los Angeles. Very well-known voiceover talent, which we're going to talk about. She's mm. producing movies. She is acting. And I believe, Robbo, you've done a fair bit of work with Ella. Is that right? We've spent a lot of time together. I've known Ella, Jesus, most of my career. And that's, what, 25, 26 years. Um, yeah, right. And Ella's been voicing for most of that time. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. She um, Most recently at Foxtel, where she was the voice of a couple of the channels for their promos and <laughs> stuff. So, yeah, she's, um, as soon as you hear her voice, she'll go, I'm sure I know that lady from somewhere. <laughs> well, let's get her on the line. Let's do it. Getting your mojo working. This is the Mojo Radio Show. A great friend of the Mojo Radio Show, live from LA, Hollywood, bit of showbiz. Ella James, how are you? Hello, it's lovely to be here. Hi, Darren. Hi, Gary. Nice to see you and hear you. Wow, this is cool, mate. An, an international star. An international star, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> international woman of mystery, that's me, yeah. Uh, no, we, we will get to that. Yes. Um, you're now based in LA. Did you did you head over there with a dream? Uh, mm, that's an interesting question. Um, no, I didn't. Um, 
I don't, I'm not a goal setter and I'm not a planner. I think that's God's comedy. I tend to <laughs> plan in meditation and execute with my eyes wide open looking for opportunities. And when I was contemplating the move over here, and I'll give you the background to that shortly, but when I was contemplating will I or won't I, I looked, I made a list of all of the things that had happened to me in my life, both good and bad, to see what had been the trigger, what had been, um, what had led to it, what, what things I had done or others had done or where I'd been. And it came up that it was always meeting a person. It was always a person that led to a radio job or, I mean, for example, I, I was on a horse riding camp south of Goulburn and, uh, and I wound up meeting the head of PR for the Department of Defence and that led to me moving to Canberra and broadcasting to UN peacekeepers in Somalia for 12 months. Oh. Um, oh. The, I met John Laws when I was 16 after I left the, the, the Defence uh, job, I, I sent him my tape and said, it's all your fault. I met you years ago. You probably don't remember me. What do I do now? And I wound up in the 2UE helicopter. <laughs> so, so when it came to this, I thought, you know, this is not about me structuring who am I and what do I want to do next. I'd been told by some fairly influential people that I was very funny and should pursue comedy. And I had also, at a rather later stage in my life, uh, gone to acting. Uh, where I was also being well received. So this is where it all happens. And so it was kind of like, um, you know, you can't go out and buy a bed unless you go to a mattress shop. If I'm going to pursue this, I'd better come to LA. Hmm. And uh, I, I heard recently that 100,000 people come and go from LA every year because it's such a transient place. People go there chasing their dreams. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You've been there now yes. for two years, is that right? Yeah, it's about 16 months. 16 months. And all the stuff that I see, you're doing really, really well, which is just Awesome. What what do you put that down to? How how come you've been able to survive over there? Oh, <laughs> um, I I have been absolutely gifted with the people that I have met once again. Um, I think you know maybe I'm a little bit older than the average bear. I'm not 26 anymore, so I don't have stars in my eyes. Um, I 
Look, I get a lot of support and I'm very clear in my execution of what I'm doing. Gary, I, I don't know how much you know about this, but um, so I was in Sydney. I had been a radio announcer. In fact, I'd done breakfast on Today FM. Um, I'd been at most of the radio stations there. I was a voiceover artist. I was a corporate speaker appearing at conferences around Australia and Asia as both an MC and a motivational speaker. And then I also, from 2000 until 2007, I was the carer for my mum who was getting very old and very frail and uh, and it was both a wonderful and exhausting and awful experience in my life and when she finally passed in 2008 it was just me and my dog left and then he up and died 12 months later at the age of 18 and I had a very miserable Christmas all on my own and and I thought well you know, you should go on holiday somewhere. So I booked a trip to New York for two weeks in May 2010. And it was towards the end of that trip that I was down in Chelsea having a drink late one night. Um, I got off the subway and I was heading back to my B&B and I called into this place called Dos Caminos, which is, of course, the crossroads. And I ordered a drink at the bar and uh, my arm just got in the way of this woman who was next to me while I was paying and I turned and apologised. And five minutes later, she came over to where I was standing and it was 11 o'clock at night. And she said, would you mind if I bought you a drink? Uh, are you a comedian or an actor or something? Because you've got something going on. And, uh, and we started talking and, uh, and she was a key player in, uh, in TV land here. And, uh, and that's what kicked it all off. Wow. And um, my, my, um, my showreel for my corporate speaking wound up in Jay Leno's office at NBC and they encouraged me to come to LA and try my hand at stand-up comedy and um, I called the comedy store and, and said I'm from Australia and I got noticed in a bar in New York and I come and perform and they said oh sure <laughs> I was like ah! <laughs> um, and then my my agent at the time Mark Morrissey said look if you're going to if you're going to even go down this road you have to get a visa and I approached a lawyer in New York and because of the body of work that I had done as a voice artist I mean you know in Australia if you call taxis combined I'm the one saying confirming your order for a taxi, um, if you call the tax office, if you call, you know, so many of the local federal government departments, if you, like, whatever. I was pretty ubiquitous. And I'm also in 75% of cars worldwide as a GPS voice. So, you know, based on that, the uh, the US government very kindly gave me permanent residency and a green card. And, um, and then I had to decide, am I going to come or aren't I? And I must admit, for a while there, I thought, oh, look, don't be silly. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> um, but, you know, there was just me. There's, um, I've got my aunt uh, left who's fabulous and she's in her 80s and she's in fine form. Um, but that was it. And, uh, and I thought, why not me? If it can happen to anybody, why not me? So I've come here not with stars in my eyes, but definitely to be a working actor and comedian and voice actor. So um, when you, what was it like walking on stage at the comedy club for your first ever gig? Can you, does that, do you still have vivid memories of that? Absolutely. I was terrified. I was so nervous that my, I shook from the ankles up <laughs> and, and I got so breathless because I didn't know how to put a set together. And, uh, and I was so arrogant. I never thought to go and see any comedians before I did this to see how they did it. Um, I just thought, well, you know, I've been doing funny stuff on stage for an hour at conferences, so surely creating five minutes can't be that much different. But trying to establish rapport in a much shorter space of time yeah. and 
hitting material with a, with a US audience that's going to work um, and speaking in such a way that I can be understood because we speak a lot faster than, than the Americans. Um, so it was a, but, you know, once again, I had great support. I sat down afterwards with some TV execs and they said, well, you know, we can see where you're going, but you're not there yet. So go back to Oz and have another crack at it over there. So I started doing comedy in Australia and, um, I mean, I was never one of the headliners. I was never a great success story. But for all sorts of reasons, they like me here and I'm very fortunate to be doing it. I've got a show coming up on Saturday at the Formosa Cafe, which is just down the road in West Hollywood. I perform at the Comedy Store. I've performed at the Ice House Pasadena, um, Flappers Comedy in Burbank. Um, it's, it's a hoot. <laughs> there you go. For all our American listeners, and we do have a few, get yourself down there. Yes, please. Come and introduce yourself. So, Adam, I'm curious. I, I, I just love the whole comedy thing. I, 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 some of my favourite... Um, personalities of comedians tell me where where do you personally draw your gags from like how what's what's your writing or creating process like I try to sit down every day and write um I don't start to write when I have an idea I just start to write uh because writing isn't writing editing is writing you've got to vomit it up first and then you go back to it and you edit it. Uh, structure and storage is very important to me. So I use Evernote. Um, some collaborators are trying to get me over to Google Drive at the moment, but Evernote works really well for me uh, because I can tap something down really quickly. And, um, and so it starts off, I never just write down uh, the thread of the idea, I write down the whole of the idea, the whole of the concept, because you will never remember it. If you go back to it, it's like it's not like a shopping list. You can't just write, remember to get the milk. You can't just write, oh, that gag about your ex. You know, it's got to be exactly how you thought about it at the time. And then you go back and you rewrite it and then you take it to an open mic and you test it out on an audience of bored comics who can't wait to get up on stage themselves. And, uh, and if you get a giggle out of it, then you, you take it to another open mic and you work it and you work it and you work it and then it eventually becomes part of your set. It's a process. <laughs> it is a process, isn't it? It, it is a process, which, which I'm actually fascinated by. And um, in, in doing that, you said before that you, particularly when you're doing a smaller set, you've got to build rapport with an audience. We know there's a lot of corporates listen to our little radio show. Um, how would you... How would you describe building a rapport with a comedy audience in the comedy store in LA? How would you relate that back or the tips you could give to somebody who were trying to build rapport in a boardroom about to do a presentation? Look, I, I'm also a trained executive coach and back in Australia I trained people on, in media and corporate speaking. Um, and so I always say to a corporate audience, it is very different um, mm. because Primarily, you have been asked to speak because somebody believes that you have something to say. In the comedy world, you have scratched your way onto that stage because you believe you have something to say. So the audience in the comedy room owes you nothing, whereas the audience in a corporate environment has been told by the conference organisers that you are going to impart some fabulous information, whether it be on change management, on leadership, on sales technique, whatever. And so then it becomes a matter of justifying your existence to the audience by building a rapport with them. And that's to 
simple things, be respectful, um, find people in the audience who um, can relate to what you're saying, acknowledge their nods and so on. Because if, you, if you've ever noticed when you're telling somebody something fascinating, they generally look at you with a very slack-jawed expression and look totally bored. That's because they're interested in their listening. Um, so if you're looking for facial expressions from people in the audience, you're never going to be satisfied because you're not going to get them. It's very different with comedy. I tend to establish a rapport with the people in the front row. In the corporate world, um, emceeing, for example, if you're doing gala awards where there's alcohol involved, I would always make sure that I knew the table numbers in the back left and right corners so that I could make specific mention of table 57, I can hear you from here. Um <laughs> Right, which is always like, oh no, I'm going to pull our heads in, right? <laughs> Chick on the stage is a bit stroppy. <laughs> I think, you know, look, here's the thing I didn't come from a corporate environment and go into corporate speaking. I, I was born to perform. And I've been doing it in so many ways in, in all my life. Um, and the funny thing is, um, it was as my mother was nearing the end of her life that I, I said, you know, I've started acting. And she said, well, I'm so glad you know, Ella, because I always thought you should be an actor. And I thought, well, why the hell did you encourage me to be a journalist? <laughs> and she let me know just before she died that my grandfather had been a vaudeville performer. I had never known that. I thought back in England they had owned furniture stores. Oh, wow. What I didn't know was that in 1910 he'd left the UK to try to prove himself to his fiancée and came to the US and just happened to be on the same boat as Charlie Chaplin and Stan Laurel. Wow. So he tripped the boards over here. So I feel very much like there's a little bit of that DNA coming through, yeah. if you like. Oh, that's, that's a fantastic story. Was there a lesson that you took out of that that sort of stayed with you? I love that quote and I won't be able to quote it directly. There is nothing as powerful as an idea whose time has come. Mm. I have no regrets about the fact that it took me half my life to get to this point. Everything that I have done has contributed to where I am right now. I could not do what I'm doing now without the knowledge that I've acquired. I mean, even I, I produced two, two short films over the last two weeks. And uh, so being a producer, I have, I have no knowledge of film. I haven't been to film school. But being an executive coach, I knew that I had to attract some filmmakers around me who knew what they were doing. It's not just a matter of getting a great DOP, a cinematographer, soundie, editor. You know, you've got to have people on your crew who know what they're doing so that they can take your idea, take your script, help you birth the script. So, you know, that I, I never would have been able to do that when I was 26. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I just kind of think it's the right time. It's absolutely the right time. And, and it's, so here's something you might enjoy, Gary. Um, just before I left Australia in September 2013, I donate blood every 60 days. And um, mm. it's always been been my thing because as a performer, you know, whenever you make money, you kind of think wacky do and then you don't you don't have a job anymore, and you go, oh, that's a bit. So I never I never was this great philanthropic person. So donating blood is my thing. Anyway, 
I was at the Red Cross blood bank there at Town Hall and, and this woman was taking as much blood from me as she possibly could. And she said, oh, Ella, aren't you scared? What if it doesn't work out? And I said, well, firstly, define work out. What, what does it have to do to work out? And I said, secondly, I said, are you doing anything interesting this week? And she said, oh, yeah, me and my girlfriend are going to the movies on Thursday night. And I said, okay, how are you getting there? And she said, oh, we're both catching the train from different ends of town. And I said, what are you going to do if the train gets cancelled? She said, oh, but, but they'll put us on a bus. And I said, okay, so but what if the bus gets you to the theatre late? And she said, oh, well, we'll just see another movie or go out for dinner. And I said, so you know that stuff now. You didn't know that when you were 16. If the bus had, had stopped, you would have been saying, mm. oh, my God, what are we going to do? We're going to be, oh, this is all panic stations. After a certain stage in life, you've pretty well been through enough stuff to know that when it hits the fan, you've got your support group, you take it step by step, and you deal. As part of what you do and your philosophy, I've, I've, I've heard you speak before of the importance of mixing with the right people. Has that been a big part of your success, do you think, in your journey? I think so. Um, I, I, I met somebody years ago who said that they had made a conscious decision to only mix with winners. And, uh, and that didn't resonate for me. Um, I didn't want to go around cherry-picking winners. Um, but I seem to have been blessed by picking interesting people who share the same values. Mm. So they may not be winners, but they certainly have the same values and the same attitude to life. And, and I think that's, that's essential because they then become your support network and you're never alone. And also there is nothing greater, I think, than when you are able to give something to somebody else. Yeah. So... When you open yourself up to somebody and share the sadness, that gives them something to do and that makes them feel valued. I'm not saying I do that deliberately. It was just something that I learned that happened. And when they feel valued, they can then soar. And then when it all turns to hell for them, they will then turn back to you because they know that you know what it's like. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's great. And in saying that, I love that idea of being based on values. Have you had to issue a few exit visas to some people who were close to you that didn't share the same values? Have you, have you had to be brave enough to do that? There's a, there's a, a road paved with skulls. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the odd audio engineer as well, right, Ella? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, um, I, I'm a Virgo. I don't tolerate fools gladly. I get snarky. Um, so I like people to be open. I don't like passive-aggressive people, although I recognise that there's some of that in myself. My very best friend who lives in Tokyo once said to me, and now I know it's a rock and roll show, I'll use this expression, you know, I said um, <laughs> something was happening in my life and, and I said, you know, I'm worried that it's because it's a part of me that I'm projecting and, and I'm seeing that in that person and it's a, it's a lesson for me. And she said, or maybe they're just assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Oh, here, uh, here. Right? That's a good one too because, you know, I think it's always important to acknowledge the role that we play in whatever yeah. it is that we're doing. But it's also important to acknowledge the role that other people play if they're not stepping up or or they're not behaving within that value framework. 
um, you know, it's because you can't be playing on a level playing field if if one of you is being a bullshit artist. Yeah. Hey, hey just with with the there's the voices of the people who are around us, Ella. But I've always admired comedians who have to walk on stage at the comedy store in LA at sunset or, or wherever. Um, how do you how do you deal with that voice in the back of your mind? Have you got a ritual you go through before you set up to do a gig? Because you've got a lot of gigs coming up. You've done the big the big comedy venues in LA. Do you have a ritual you go through to be able to handle that voice? I'm not a star yet. I have to be clear about that. <laughs> oh, you are here. I've yeah, that's right. Still got feet plans. Huh? <laughs> yeah. We have a saying on this show, Ella, let them believe what you want them to. Okay, absolutely. <laughs> so I'm a star. Um, um, so here's the thing. A couple of shows ago, I rang some friends of mine and uh, I had bedded in some new material into my set and I was doing a 15-minute set and I was getting very anxious as the day wore on. I mean, keeping in mind, you know, this is LA, so I don't actually chew any food. I just suck power shakes. <laughs> and, and I go to the gym at 5 o'clock in the morning. And, and, um, and that's the other thing. I mean, on the inside, I have the health of an Olympic athlete. Thank God you have to, to, to live in this town. But by the time 10 o'clock at night comes, I'm getting ready for bed. I'm ready for my gym jams. I'm past the days of drinking the top shelf of the bar and hanging around outside the club smoking spliffs, which is legal in California, with, um, with the other comics. So I'm kind of, you know, I'm gearing up for a little bit of a Kindle time and napping under the duvet. So I was getting quite anxious and I was like, oh, God, I'm not remembering it. And he said to me, remember just to be yourself. Mm. And I sat down with that and and I realised, you know, there's a very good business maxim, um, um, prior preparation prevents a piss poor performance. And I've always struggled with the notion of preparation because to over-prepare takes the freshness out of a performance. Yep, yep. But to under-prepare is almost an arrogance of expectation that you will be able to fly. And there is a sliding scale that I've discovered that can't be preset. It's a sliding scale depending on your mood, the audience's mood, the weather, biorhythms, I don't know. But there is a point at which you must prepare and then you must stop. In acting, we... You know, you get off page with your script, you you know who your character is, you, you've done all of that. You can't be walking into an audition or walking onto set panicking about the fact that you're going to lose your lines. You've got to have that level of preparation down. But you've also got to be open to something that, that will will come from the other actor that you're playing opposite. Um, mm-hmm. Because you will not have you will not have rehearsed with them. And you have to you have to prepare in the comedy world for something happening in the room that leads you to riff rather than stick to your monologue of a set. Um, you know, otherwise it's it's deadly dull. You've got to react. So there's a sliding scale of preparation and if you do too much, it, it, it just overdoes it and if you don't do enough, it's arrogant. That's the way I see it anyway. So there is no ritual. Um, I don't drink because I always remember from corporate days, the late and great Ron Tacky said to me, never drink before you go on stage because if you fluff your line or you trip on a cable, they will all say that you were drunk and you'll never work again. <laughs> mm. The great, the great Ron Tacky.
Indeed, indeed. What you were talking about preparation, and I guess in the context of you being a comedian, is I, I, I'm a massive fan of Billy Connolly, as I'm sure a lot of people are, um, and mm-hmm. had the actually had the pleasure of meeting him once. Um, in my radio days and, and I remember him we were talking about content and preparation and, and I remember him telling me that he doesn't really prepare for a show but what he does is he just goes for a walk so he'll yep. walk around Brisbane or he'll walk around Sydney and he'll just notice things and he said yes. that he'll just get on stage and these things will come back to him and, and he'll find a context to use them and it's yes. always struck me that someone can be that funny with that little preparation you know it's always stuck with me look you know the thing is you have the basic thread but and I don't tour here because you know comedy is a part of what I do I need to be here for, for acting it's pilot season at the moment mm. I'm a commercial actor I'm a theatrical actor that means theatrical means film and TV commercial mm. means physically doing commercials I need to be here to audition and to participate in all of that mm. um, so it's a bit of a different road that I've taken also you know frankly I'm a little bit too long in the tooth to be doing the college scene I think anyway no we'll, we'll see but um, but I think for me all of my comedy is observational. It mm. all comes from things that I see and have done. Mm. It is all from a, from a perspective of truth. Mm. Um, and um, so I totally understand him saying that, but there also is that thread. There's mm. an absolute thread. But, I mean, mm. you know, he and Robin Williams, I... I oh. I don't even feel that I could call myself a comedian standing alongside those guys. I did a show yeah. with Sarah Silverman, Kevin Nealon, um, a couple of weeks ago. I, I mean, I can't tell you, Ian Edwards, just astounding people. Mm. Um, they're clever. They're, they're mm. very, 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 mm. very clever. I'm going to see Billy on Saturday night, so I'll sneak my phone in and send you a copy. Oh, I'll do that. <laughs> I saw him here, gosh, it must have been last... <laughs> August, I, I can't remember. Yeah. And uh, he's he's looking. He was looking very frail. I was yeah, very sad. I know. That's yeah. what I was. I was kind of. That's what spurred me on to go even more. Was I was thinking, geez, this could possibly be the last time. Yeah. 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 That's. Uh, I was with his former tour manager yesterday, actually, and um, the story you told about Billy observing mm. uh, was absolutely true. Mm. Um, but I think you're doing the right thing by going along to see him. But uh, certainly one of the greats, um, Ella. In doing what you're doing now, and it's been 16-odd months, pursuing this, the theatre, the acting, the comedy, the producing, when you look back, have you had to sacrifice much to get to where you are today? <laughs> oh, that's gorgeous. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, I now live bit, like a, a bit LA? <laughs> Carrie, I live like a uni student here. Um, <laughs> I was at the top of I was at the top of my game. I now go downstairs to put my washing in and put four quarters in. Um, I have I have alarmed the the apartment building by hanging my clothes on the line because it's so dry and it never rains here, or very rarely. Um, you know, the first time it happened, three people rushed out and they said, "Ella, are the dryers broken?" Yeah. <laughs> I said, no, it's a day. You know, we want to put our clothes on the line. You know, plus it's an Aussie invention. Oh, my God, you know, you can't even buy clothes pegs here. So if you could send me some, please, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> Tim um, Tams and clothes pegs. <laughs> and, and, a hills ho- and a hills hoist. And a hills hoist. But things literally dry before. It's, it, the temperature is so dry here that, that they dry yeah. before you get to the line. Um, uh, look, I'm, um, I've gone from, from a Lexus to a little Prius C. Um, 
I um, what can I say? I have the best. I have the. Oh, this has upset my friends, but I've got the best friends I've ever had in my life. I mean, <laughs> you know, because I'm mixing. I'm mixing with a, a range of people. If you've seen any of my videos, there are a lot of hot twenty-four year olds, um, and. Uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm just a little bit of a cougar. Not a cougar so much as a tigress. That's, I prefer tigress. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a voice grab for the promo. That's right. I was, and I was going to say, guys, find, find Ella on Facebook and hook up because there's a nice shot of her in bed with a couple of fellas just the other day. Yeah, well, we, we're going to talk about that in a second. <laughs> we're, um, we're not done. No, I, I, look, I think um, I am living like a uni student but I'm living with a group of people. We are all in the same boat. So we are none of us saying, um, nobody is, I wish I had a BMW. Nobody is, I wish I had um, a holiday house on the South Coast. Nobody is, we're off to Bali and then we're going skiing in France. We're all in the same boat. We all put all of our money into classes, into productions, um, into just, you know, keeping our heads above water. Um, sharing, collaborating. This is a creative cauldron. You can mm. be uh, attached to projects like that, she says, clicking her fingers. Um, so you have to be open for it. But it's a, there's a camaraderie. It's like a giant camp or something. I, I can't yeah, quite work yeah. it out. Mm. Did I sacrifice a lot for this? Yes. Is it delivering more than I anticipated? A 300% yes. Mm, nice. That's great. That's so cool. Hey, um, let's jump back into bed, so to speak. Um, <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah, let's, let's get it. And, and, folks, you're, you're like, I'll come I'll take you on a journey. I'll take you on a visual. You're in bed with two men and there is a screenshot saying 50 shades of inspiration. What, what is that? <laughs> okay. So I was at the hairdresser, which was amazing. I haven't been in six months. I now even dye my own hair thanks to e-salon. Um, <laughs> but I had, um, I, oh, sh I shouldn't tell people that. They think I'm naturally brunette. But I'm a blonde. No, no, that's just good. We'll put a shout out to East Salon in case they want to sponsor the show. That's right. And I was going to say, you haven't seen Gary or I lately, so you're ahead of the game. Yeah, Ella, there's just no having going on there. <laughs> no. Just, I know. Um, anyway, so my hairdresser, Tracy, Tracy Lee, and this is so Hollywood, you know, her husband is, um, Zine, is, uh, is uh, Seth Rogen's editor. So it's a very small town. Everybody mm. everybody does everything. And, and she said to me, are you E.L. James? And I said, no, I'm Ella James. And she said, so you didn't write Fifty Shades? And I said, no. Because, I mean, it's Hollywood. We've got the billboards that you've got advertising Eyewitness News. We've got advertising the next TV shows, the next mm. movies. And, you know, we're coming up to the Academy Awards this weekend. So, um, you know, it's, it's just huge. Oh, anyway, so um, I'm just trying to get rid of that. Um, Am I going to hear you? Is that, are you going to give us a voiceover now? That's right. Phone ringing in the background. That's somebody who knows that I am doing an interview at the moment. <laughs> no, we wanted you to. We wanted. We wanted to do the on hold. I'm sorry, Ella can't take your call right now. Yeah, that's right. He wants me. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> of course he does, dear. <laughs> I'm just. I'm tapping out. That's embarrassing. I'm just uh, tapping out. Going. God, that's the thing. So. Here we go. Um, so she said, 
she said, you really should do something about, you know, the Fifty Shades thing. And I, I sat down with Chuck McCarthy, who's very prolific on the, on the comedy scene here, and J.T. Fletcher, um, who's a great writer and director, as well as being an actor and as well as having great abs, and sat down and said, um, okay, let's do something. And so what we decided on was that I would be in bed with my husband reading what I had written as E.L. James, um, as Fifty Shades of Inspiration. Um, but as is typical of my comedy, I then... Chuck re rewrote the script. That was great. And then the night before we shot it, I decided it would be pretty funny to uh, go through a list of names that women have for their hoo-hahs. And so we've now got the hashtag <laughs> name your hoo-ha. And, um, and so we made a list of those. And I have to tell you that my favourite was the one I came up with at three o'clock in the morning, Queefer Sutherland. Queefer Sutherland. <laughs> Hello to our friends of the show. I actually so, saw that post, book on, on, uh, that post on Facebook, Ella, and there was some classics in there. There are some classics. And, uh, and then we have, we have the Alfred Hitchcock moment with our director, J.T. Fletcher, who was hiding between Chuck and I in bed. Chuck is a big, handsome bear of a man. And, um, and JT is not. So it was very funny when he surfaced and I used a whip on him. But there you go. That's just the fun <laughs> of being in Hollywood. How do people find that? So, how, how do people check out what you've done, um, Ella? Where, where's the best place for them to go to see that? You can follow me on Twitter at Ella James. Um, yep. I'm on Facebook as Ella James Comedian. Um, you can uh, go to my YouTube page, Ella James. And um, I also have a blog um, on my ellajames.com website, The Adventures of Ella James, and I have another blog, because that's how you've got a role, called fabulouslyfeisty.com, which um, also has all of those uh, pieces of material in them. But it's, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty easy to find. I, I, my yeah. search engine optimization is, uh, is pretty cool. So if you look up Ella James, I am not the fan fiction author, um, I'm the other one. <laughs> yeah, and we'll, we'll put all the links in the show notes anyway. Um, Absolutely. Just before we go, the um, you mentioned early on in the show um, meditation. Is that... Yes. Is that something you is that is that part of your daily ritual? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm a I'm I've always been a little bit uh, esoteric, and uh, and indeed, um, some of your listeners may or may not recall. For many years, I was actually known as Deb Ellsworth, and back in 1999, I was working at 2GB, and a woman came into the radio station to do an interview with uh, Clive Robertson, I think it was, or Mike Jeffries, about a book that she had written called. Um, the numbers of herbs or something. Her name was Eileen Whittaker and she was Princess Diana's herbalist. And uh, it, actually it was before 99. It must have been about 94, 93 because it was the year that Princess Diana died. And after Diana died, Eileen and I started talking and I wound up working with her at her clinic in Macquarie Street and then um, in other places. And she said, you can't work for me with that name. We've got to change your name. And so Ella James was born. And wow. I named myself after Ella Fitzgerald and Etta James. But numerologically, it's well-balanced, apparently. But I've come to believe that numerology is, is one of those tools, like all tools, they are only tools. And that ultimately, life takes over and we use these to support ourselves. But the one thing that is very important to me is um, meditation, understanding the energy that I give out and the energy that I attract, taking time out, uh, breathing, um, exercise, eating nourishing foods 
and then drinking bottles of Belvedere. Um, but, you know, for the most part. There's a life hey, balance. We're only human. Yeah. yeah. We're only human, right? I keep your, I keep your fluids up, kiddies. I, 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 I got into meditation firstly with creative visualisations years ago and uh, and I think they're a lovely tool to use because they take you on a journey because when I first started trying to meditate, I think I was like everybody else in that I would say, um, um, uh, I'd sit there and I'd, um, if I cook the chicken tonight, we can have sandwiches tomorrow. Um <laughs> You know, oh, you forgot to get the clothes out of the dryer and they're going to be creased. Like anything in the world that was going to distract me was going to be there. So a creative visualisation that takes you on a journey is a really nice way around that. Um, and then, of course, you know, things start coming up in the meditation for you that um, just expose you to a deeper level within yourself. And and I... I think the more self-aware we are, the better off we are as human beings. We deal with other people in a in a better way, and we we um, because it's not about it's not a race to the end to to find how many toys you've got, who's got the most toys. Mm. It's 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 to get to whatever the end is with as much knowledge as you possibly can have, and as much mm. compassion. Hello, mm. and sometimes I have to dig. For the compassion. <laughs> <laughs> That's the passive-aggressive yeah. coming yeah. out, right? <laughs> um, Ella, do you um, – you mentioned Evernote. Um, are you a journaler? No, I try to be, um, but I think every year on the 1st of January I I start to journal and then it just drops away. I, I – my, my best friend that I spoke to before in Tokyo has been journaling since she was nine and she has a series of books, I mean hundreds of them because she's a thousand now. She'll hate me saying that. But she's got <laughs> hundreds of them that she can go back to and, and see, yeah. um, see where she was. Oddly enough, when I was in Australia recently, I went to my storage unit and of all the things I brought back, I wound up with a collection of love letters from my first boyfriend um, and we were together from the age of 15 to 18. And I am delighting in reading these love letters mm. from him. Mm. And I wish I had made notes, but I'm too busy in the present. So Evernote is your way of capturing stories and thoughts in your mind that you could use in a script or a gag or something? Is that how you use Evernote? Yeah, I use Evernote to capture dialogue for my web series that, that we're about to go into production with um, because when I'm writing dialogue, it has to come from real life. It can't be, you can't fabricate it. It's got to be from what people have actually said because I find that the most fascinating and mm. I'm hoping other people will find it as compelling and funny. Um, I use it because you can use... Um, a note-taking device so you can record from an audio perspective. You can yeah. tap it out really quickly. Um, I can also, I can share things that I receive. I can email them into my Evernote account so that I have access to them. So I use, I use a lot of devices like um, I use Evernote, I use Pocket to capture web pages um, and then I have my Pocket days where I go back to Pocket and I sift through what I want to read, what I want to um, dump, what I want to keep and do something with. So it's a little bit of a filing cabinet for me if you like. Oh, I like that Pocket days. I like that. That's cool. Oh, you'd love, yeah, Pocket's really cool. Have you used it? No, no, but I love that principle of actually saying today is the day to go back through. 
I'll check out Pocket, yeah. but if I had if I had Pocket as a tool, today's my day to go back through it. That's just really cool because people generally put that stuff away; they never get to it. Yeah, that's but it. Having no, a Pocket. day, yeah, that's cool. And you know, and because Pocket can be on all your devices, I can be at an audition and I can pull up my Pocket and I use that as my time to go through things and and start sorting through them. You know, I mean, doctor's appointments or you know, yeah. when you're sitting on the train, that's your Pocket time. It's getpocket.com. Really cool. There's another sponsor for you. Yeah. Get <laughs> and, uh, okay, Robbo, put that down, mate. We'll, yeah, we'll, give them a, we'll give them a call. That's it. We're there. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll do the ad for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got the package. How do I support myself? I've got a professional sound studio here, so I'm still doing voiceovers for my Australian clients. I still, I still travel to Australia regularly and I've got, um, I still have my Australian business. I, I do corporate engagements in Australia, so I still come back. Oh, really? I hosted the health. Yeah, I hosted the Helpman Awards, uh, which are Australia's Live Performance Awards. I hosted yeah. those last yeah. year. And then I, I came back for another performance a couple of weeks later for the, the MTA in New South Wales. So, you know, um, bureaus are still booking me out for corporate performances and I'm still doing voiceovers for clients as they need them. Um, so, you know, international woman of mystery, bah, ha, ha. But it does mean I occasionally... <laughs> work 24-hour days. Well, let me give you a plug, Ella, because if there's anybody out there in Australia who's looking for a voice, I could highly recommend Ella. How long have I been working with you, Ella? I would imagine, geez, when did I start in the industry? It's 100 years, but remember, I'm only 37 here. That's right, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, well, if you're only 37, that that, that makes me pretty young too, so I'm with you on that one, yeah. But no, seriously, I've worked with Ella for Gary since uh, since I first started in radio at the end of the eighties at some stage, and um, I've never had a bad session with her. So if you're looking for a voice, yeah. female voice, anybody out there, look up Ella. That's really lovely. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a couple of quick things before we let you get onto your day. Um, I've always been fascinated by a comedian who walks on stage, and there's that guy in the front row that goes, "Yeah, make me laugh." And I know there's an executive who walks into a boardroom who stands in front of the screen to a presentation and there's somebody sitting there with their arms folded, cat's bum going, yeah, right, I made impress me. Why am I here? Don't waste my time. Yes. As a comedian, how do you approach that first couple of minutes when you walk on stage to build that rapport? Okay, so firstly, I have never had anybody like that in my audiences Thank goodness. If I do, I don't. I don't address them. Um, so one of the tools that I used to use corporately, and I still use now in comedy, is that I I like to know the room first, and um, and I tend to visualise people having fun and laughing, and I visualise people leaving the room saying to me, "I feel really good." Not you were really funny or you made me laugh, just I feel really good. Mm. And that tends to fill the room with a certain energy. If you focus, like all things, what you focus on becomes. So if you try and get the approval of that one person at the expense of the other five to 500, you're doing yourself a great disservice. Mm. The, Mm. The other thing to remember, as I said before, Somebody can be sitting there with their arms crossed and a grim look on their face, not because you're boring them to tears and they want you to prove themselves, 
but because their wife had a car accident this morning and they're trying to work out how they're going to pick up the kids from school. Um, There can be a thousand reasons. And so I just choose not to focus on it. That's nice. I mean, I can't, the reason I don't date men my own age, and this came up last night when I met a couple of them, is that they, younger men tend to go, oh, cool, you're a comedian, how cool. Whereas men my own age say, oh, I'm going to tell you a joke. (laughs) 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 Invariably is not. Funny. <laughs> and your response could and be... I can't fake it, can't fake it. I was going to say your response could be, I thought you were going to tell me one, not show me one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, you see, I never say... It's like I'm dying inside. Somebody come and take me away from here, right? Yeah. You know, this friend of mine last night that we went to this function and he was hovering behind me and I'm gesticulating with my hand and he and he thought I was having some kind of attack. He said he didn't know the code for get me out of here. <laughs> Before yeah. we let you go, um, Ella, it's really funny. Um, I, too, I remember Deb Ellsworth from our days at Osterio mm. and... Which is which is quite freaky in com- having conversation with you, remembering Deb and now talking to Ella. Yeah. If you were looking, if you were looking back at Deb, knowing now what you've been through, um, where you are in your journey, the things you've learned. If you're looking back at Deb at that point, or a young Deb, mm. what is there one piece of advice you would give to a young Deb in knowing what's ahead of of her? Ah, this is a really interesting one. I love to read this advice to my 16-year-old self and all of that kind of thing. But here's the thing. One of the decisions that I made very early on when I moved out here was to not judge myself on decisions I'd made in the past based on the knowledge I have now because I couldn't have done anything any differently because I didn't know. So it's hard for me to look back on that person because she was a different person. Mm. You know, mm. all of mm. the, you know, the, the confidence and, the, um, and, and being worried about how you're perceived and worried about how you look and are you clever enough or will people work out you're a fraud? I think they are essential ingredients to, to getting through life. And I think if you don't go through that type of um, shit, <laughs> you don't grow. So, so you know, I mentor a lot of younger people here. I don't only sleep with them, <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs> 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 um, I, so I mentor a lot of younger people here and I, and, you know, it's very important for me to allow them to go through stuff without me overlaying my wisdom on top of it. So to give them a supportive environment in which to fail rather than giving them the pathway to succeed. Robbo, there's gold in them there hills. In them there Hollywood hills. I was going to say, Gary, what's our all come back to? Bit of grit. Bit of grit, absolutely. That's, um, that's fantastic, Ella. It's been such a treat to, um, to chat to you. Um, before we go, it would be remiss of us not to let people know where they would have heard your voice. Just for our audience, where would we have heard you before your voice and may not know you? Okay. Um, I read the news for a number of years. I was a talkback radio host on 2UE, 2GB and 702 ABC Sydney. I was a TV presenter on FCTV on Channel 10 and on Don Burke's Time Out for Serious Fun. 
I am the voice when you order a taxi for taxis combined. Um, I am the voice on numerous phone systems, too numerous to say, um, as the press one, press two, press three. And my favourite, <laughs> your call is important to us. Your call has been placed in a queue. <laughs> I'm you. You know me. Um, yeah, so I was on TV. I was a, a promo host on Channel 9, Channel 7, Channel 10, on Arena, on Bio, on Bio the biography channel for Foxtel. Um, I, did, I was the voice of the Olympic Games, the voice of the Commonwealth Games, uh, the Winter Games. Um, I wish I'd saved some of that money now. I could have my own washing machine, but... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was moist. <laughs> yeah. Can you hear yourself back? I was... Uh, Johnny Depp is in Australia right now doing Pirates of the Caribbean again or the, the, the next version, and I remember seeing him, I think, with Letterman, and he said... Uh, He's never seen one of his movies. He can't watch himself back. He just refuses to sit and watch it back. He does the work, goes home, it's done. Can you hear yourself back? Do you have that reaction? Over here, when you do voiceover, you don't wear cans or headphones. Um, and at first I found that very odd. Not because I used to listen to myself, but I used the cans as a point of reference for my proximity to mic and, and tone and all of that. So it's learning to work in a different way. I've never had a problem listening to myself. When I started acting, I had different difficulty in looking at myself on video because I would judge myself too harshly yeah. and and I forgot that people aren't looking at you to judge you based on your size or you, whether you're attractive or not. They're looking to find that energy in you. So I had to learn that. John Laws always said that he never listened to himself. There are a lot of actors who never see their films. I... Um, I expect I will die when I eventually have to go to a, a screening of one of my movies. Um, but I guess I'll just deal with it. Once you're a big movie star, you'll come back on the show, won't you? Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, remember See your you roots. Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See you tomorrow. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> eh? Well, look, let me get my plug in. Um, so one of the things that I'm very that I'm very keen on, there is a, a project here called empowerment.org, the empowermentplan.org. And uh, this is a woman in Detroit who, as part of her college studies, had to come up with a business idea and she decided to create a coat that turns into a sleeping bag for the homeless. Oh, and wow. she took it to some homeless shelters and people were quite cross and said, we don't need these, we need jobs, we need to get out of this. So she set up a factory where she employs homeless people to make the coats and do all of the, the business that goes around the supply and the manufacture of these coats. So part of what I would like to do is to um, be able to be um, financially able to support great ideas like that, um, both here and in Australia. So um, for me, I'm not pretty enough to be Jennifer Lawrence and I'm not young enough. So, you know, I'm going to have to do some other stuff and that, that, that really rings my bell. If I, can, if I can get involved in that, then I can do that. And so, of course, I'm going to do interviews because I'm going to want to tell you all about it. That's it. Beauty. And we'll put the link to it in the, um, in the show notes as well, Ella. It's, um, that, that's, that's a cool idea. I will. I reckon, I reckon I'll be done, Robbo. What do you think? I think you've just about covered all the bases there, Gaz. Fantastic. Ella, thank you so much. There was gold in them there, Hollywood Hills. Mm.
It's so lovely to speak to you, Gary and and Robbo. This Mm -hmm. was just a, a... Jim, it was fantastic. Thank you. Honestly, your um, your energy and passion that comes down the line with what you do, it's easy to see why you're making a name for yourself over there. And uh, we're stoked for you. We're proud you're an Aussie. And uh, what's really super cool is you haven't lost your Aussie accent. That's, that's <laughs> way cool. Oh, that's great. Thank you. And, and the fact you have to learn to speak American is, uh, you know, what? Well, it's bloody good, eh? Well, it's, good, yeah, it's not easy, but, but, you know, you have to do it. And the, the hardest yeah. thing is that you go into a casting and, you, and you're like, oh, hey, I'm Ella James. Great to be here. Thank you for seeing me. <laughs> and, uh, and they'll look at your resume and they'll say, oh, you're an Aussie. My flatmate's an Aussie. She brings back Tim Tams. <laughs> you know, tell me about those. And you're like, oh, yeah, Tim Tams are great. And then they say, okay, when you're ready. And then I'm like, oh, holy hell, can I, can I do it? <laughs> How do I find the accent now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that hey, just shows Wasn't that that goal where uh, Ella dropped back into um, the real Aussie uh, Aussie accent there? Oh yeah, well you know we like we do like our. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, listen, one thing we've forgotten to get we've forgotten to ask you, Ella, is if anyone here in Oz or in the states wants to book you, how do they find you? Um, At my website, ellajames.com. There is an email link. So Ella at ellajames.com. There you go. The most important question of the interview. Good call, my thank friend. Thank you very much. <laughs> and thank That's you for your time. For, Ella. That's why he gets the big bucks. <laughs> yeah, right. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Robbo. <laughs> and don't forget, esalon.com. And what was the other one? Oh, that's right, getpocket.com. Get Pocket, that's it. <laughs> We're going to need a promo for us soon, Robbo. What do you reckon? Right, we'll have to absolutely. hit her up for a promo. Yeah, we'll have to hit her up. She's got a mic in the house. Yeah. <laughs> Ella, thank you so much for joining us on the Mojo Radio Show. It was a treat. And um, hopefully once all these things, these projects you're working on um, start to roll, we can get you back on to talk about some of these, uh, this great work you're doing because we'd yeah. love to have you back again. I would love that. Thank you very much. And we'll thank talk you. to you about your uh, Australian comedy tour when that's lined up. Oh, no, 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 no. That's so funny. Thank you so much, Al. That was uh, that was a ball. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Okay. The Mojo Radio Show. So nice to catch up with Ella. I haven't spoken to her since she went over to LA, and it's so nice to hear that she's doing so well. Hey, she's doing really well by the sounds of it. Yeah, she's she's um a very talented lady. Sounds she sounds like she's still vibed over there too. Like she's still got the mm. she's got the determination to uh, to do well. So it's uh it's it's good all around. Absolutely. Now um, I'm loving these new gifts we've got, Gaz. <laughs> hey, you know, you know, you've got a proper radio show mm. when people start sending in gifts. Mm. How cool! Is that? Absolutely, it's very cool, isn't it? From, um, I'm, from feeling, I'm feeling real. I'm feeling like we've actually got something. I feel like we've got an audience. We're getting gifts. Mm. We're talking to people. Like this is, it's, 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 it's a something, isn't it? Your mojo wouldn't be going, would it, Gary? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so um, these are pretty cool presents. Aren't though, they aren't great? They? Yeah, mm. from um, from Kate Stead at the University of New South Wales. Mm. She uh, she passed on um, a couple of journals to Gary and I for us to use. But um, mm. I have to make a confession, and mm. Kate, this is in no way a reflection on your gift. I have never journaled. So Gary, tip me away. Well, the first tip is um, you need to develop your own style and work out what journal's best for you. Mm. So there are a lot of people now, and I would say a a, a vast majority of successful people when you talk about journaling 
and morning or evening rituals, we'll talk about gratitude journaling. Mm. And gratitude journaling is simply grabbing a journal and writing down three things that you are grateful for. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful that Kate's dead taking a journal. Exactly, there's one. Number two is, you know, all the boys turned up for training tonight. Number three is, we, for the first time, we cleared out the ruck properly or, mm-hmm. um, you know, it rained this afternoon and my new chilli plants got... It can be as simple as that or it could be, I'm just thankful to have five toes. Yep. Tent. <laughs> <laughs> I've got four. <laughs> uh, okay. That'd be, Shrek's, that'd be Shrek's journal. Yes. Um, other people keep a keep a. It's not meant to be a dear diary type thing, but other people keep a, a memento of their thinking through the day, like what went on in their day, some of the okay. things they were thinking, some of the great achievements. Yep. Um, other people keep a journal that they carry with them, like I do, and I do all these things. I have different journals for different things that I do, but mm. I keep a um, uh, an Evernote moleskin journal with me that I carry with me every day, mm. and that's where I write all the questions for the interviews. I think about things I want to capture. I write down quotes that I've got. I write down um, storylines I want to write a blog about. Um, I just capture stuff. So it mm. it just becomes a place to capture your thoughts, your ideas, your dreams, your inspiration, quotes, sayings, songs. You say, talk about a book. I write it in my journal and it's always there as a record. And the reason that is really nice is that, number one, writing your dreams down just really crystallises them and gives them real power. Yep. Um, number two, it gives you something to focus on and it gives you an opportunity to elaborate on your dreams and you mm. can keep going back to them and, and, and massaging them. Mm. And number three, the thing that's really nice about it is Josh Pike, the singer-songwriter, said that when you write down things in your journal, it gives you something to look back on to give you an idea of what your thinking was like at a certain time of your life. Yep. So as things change and you are, whether it be as a footy coach, as a dad, as a lover, as a producer, as a writer, Mm. you're having all these thoughts and you can look back in a year or two and you can look at where your thinking was at and where your dreams were and what's come to life and the things you're grateful for and so on. Mm. And the last thing that I find it invaluable for is when you've been doing it for a little while is your journals become like a compost heap, is that you put all these sayings and quotes and lines and hooks and takeouts from the Mojo Radio Show and dreams and aspirations and things you want to achieve, things of the good, the bad and the ugly. Mm. And then three or four years' time, if you're doing a promo for Foxtel and you're stuck for an idea, you go back through your journals, you get this whole thing where it's been sitting like compost and sprouting. Mm. And you get back and harvest a line, harvest a sweeper, harvest a a piece of a movie, and you can and it stimulates a thought. So there are all sorts of ways to journal, mm. but all I'd say is that work out what works best for you. And the journal that Kate gave us, don't write neatly in it and think that it has to be all neat and look like a great piece of artwork. Mm. Scribble in it, use colour, use doodles. Mm. If you have one great line, you know, like um, good job, cross it out and write great job, turn the page. That could be the one idea you capture. Because when I first started journaling, I tried to make it all neat and tidy and write, fill up every line and, you know, make it look. And uh, I was with a mate of mine, Christopher Whitnell, and he used to put one word on it and turn the page or put a big picture of something or a scribble or use colour and drawings. and. As Glenn Capelli said, if he was listening to this show right now, he'd have a fistful of crayons, his Lamy pen, mm. 
and he'd be drawing pictures and words all over his page because we know that's how you recall your learnings the best. So, mm, mm. top line, mate. There's my thoughts for journaling. Yep. I'm a huge believer in it. Mm. The problem today is people think they will remember things past mm. the next cup of coffee and they're kidding yep. themselves. Man, I've forgotten yeah, things from this morning. Are, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I tell you what, you don't have to worry about me keeping mine tidy because fair dinkum, I write like a doctor. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. In hey, fact, I um, on that, about forgetful, here's something I wrote in my journal mm. on the train mm. on the way to the studio this morning. I was coming across the mountains mm. and Drinking your I coffee. heard a great quote that I thought really represented what you just talked about mm. and I found it here. Fresh from the journal, folks. Fresh from the journal, this guy was being interviewed in a podcast and he said he constantly goes back when he gets upset or frustrated about things and goes, will it matter? Question mark. He said, people don't remember a tweet from 12 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> will anybody really care about what I'm getting upset about? Ain't that the truth? And I thought, that's so true. You read a tweet 12, 12 minutes later, you can't even remember what you read, yeah. let alone somebody cutting off in traffic and you carry that with you for 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. And you go, does it, does it really matter? So anyway, that's something I carried in my journal. I'll now process that for a couple of weeks, hmm. grab some more storylines, make it into a blog and put it in the espresso. So um, there you go. Absolutely. Nice. I reckon uh, that's a show. We're out. The Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at The Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybertwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au and for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peters speaking. See you next time.